Have you had a couple of experiences at work that have quite honestly dragged you down, perhaps even make you uh, downright upset about working there? Uh, what about some challenges really connecting well enough with people and just having a grumpy day with your coworkers? Odds are this is something that you've experienced. I know honestly, I've had the chance to experience that as well. But there are some great strategies that you can follow to help yourself actually have some happiness and fulfillment at work. So let's go ahead and get into it. Hello and welcome to Level Up Your 9 to 5 on 95 GovGeeks Assemble. So excited to be here with you. My colleague and co-host, the wonderful, the amazing Chic GovGeek, Karen Lopez, unfortunately is not able to join us today, but never fear. I am here to be of as much value as I possibly can. My name is Javier Lopez. And again, thank you so much for being here. So there are a couple of challenges that we all experience in the workplace, namely a little bit of frustration, perhaps a little bit of angst and concern. Uh, a lot of times we may have some bosses, colleagues, or even individuals on our teams that allow us to feel a little bit uncomfortable in the workplace or where we feel terrible about going to work on Monday morning and super happy to be a little bit further away from them on Friday afternoon when we know that we can go ahead and go home for the weekend. Um, but honestly, it doesn't really have to be like that. There are some great strategies to help ease the issues and concerns, allow ourselves to realize that we have the ability to control what is in our control and allow others to go about their own journey on their way as well and not allow them to impact us so much. So that is kind of a big thing to say, right? <laughs> like, what if there's a person that just really gets under your skin or really has dead set in their whole idea in their life, like they've made it their mission to make your life as terrible as possible? These situations do exist. And I'm not saying that any of these strategies is going to be like a magic wand and everything is going to be totally erased, but these are at least some ideas that can help you to really move forward, to have that degree of happiness and fulfillment that you care about. Because at the end of the day, we are responsible for our own happiness. We are responsible for how we allow the situations and the world around us to really impact us or to affect us. And also there's this larger idea that we are allowing ourselves to have and experience the feelings that we are experiencing at the time. As long as they don't override or cause an issue or concern with how we are going about our decisions, we can feel anything that we need to feel. It's just feedback for us. The bigger question is, how are you going to use that information to allow yourself to connect with what's really happening in the first place and how to use that to respond to the world in kind? Because really, at the end of the day, we have that capability within ourselves. So I mentioned that we all know a couple of people that perhaps uh, allow us to feel a little bit bad or to experience some feelings of frustrations and other experiences that we really don't like. But stop and think for a second. Do you happen to know anyone that has a degree of happiness that they just, they can't get rid of? You know, like they're walking around all the time and they're just kind of like smiling and, you know, happily bouncing around. <laughs> um, well, I'm kind of a person like that myself. And a lot of times I get asked, you know, 
why are you happy all the time? You know, what are you on and why aren't you sharing? What's going on with all of this stuff? Well, I wanted to share a couple of these strategies today to help you feel good regardless of the environment that you're in. Allow yourself to feel the emotions that come through and really embrace them for what they are, but not allow them to control who you are because you are a wonderful person in and of yourself. And you move through different feelings and emotions, regardless of what's happening around you in your world, that is outside of you. You are still you. Just because one day you're super happy and one day you're super upset or angry, those are just feelings. You're still you and you get to choose who you want to be and how you want to show up. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about these three strategies. The first one and one of the bigger ones is really get comfortable saying no. Uh, this might be of a challenge for us. Uh, I understand sometimes we want to make sure that we are doing the best job that we can. We're showing ourselves to be really good, hard workers, diligent, uh, really showing up and, you know, I'm going to get the job done regardless of anything else. Kind of like the motto of the U United States Postal Service where they say, uh, neither rain nor shine nor sleet nor snow. Um, I know I totally messed that one up. <laughs> But the idea is there is nothing that will stop them from fulfilling their mission. Um, and that might be a great kind of moniker that we want to adapt for ourselves or adopt for ourselves. Um, but if you are comfortable saying no, that can allow you to manage your work stresses and your issues. Let me give you some examples. So say, for instance, you're working on a really big project and your boss comes to you and says, hey, I need you to work on these different things. Or uh, here are some issues and concerns that I'd like you to, to start working on right now. You could say in response, I appreciate the opportunity. I look forward to being of value. Uh, I appreciate that this is a big task and that you're entrusting me with this. So that's a way to kind of acknowledge and recognize the silver lining to see the opportunity for what it is. But then use a strategy to help kind of manage your workload. So you could say, uh, while I appreciate all of this, I want to make sure that I'm delivering you a quality product. I'm working on these other things right now that are kind of taking a lot of times and issues. Um, is there a way that we can negotiate a, a time or a deliverable? Or how about, uh, this is fantastic. I look forward to working on this. I can get started on this on Thursday. Uh, if you need me to start sooner, uh, here's my other project. Perhaps we can re-prioritize uh, what you need me to work on right now, or uh, we can bring in another person to help out with this, or uh, I have another individual that I'm working with on the team that can help me partner up with this. Would that be okay with you? Provide them with some solutions that allow you to manage your time and your workload and also meet their expectations for what they're looking for. So the reason why they're asking you to do something is because Odds are they know that you can do the work, which is great, but they may not know what you're experiencing with your other projects or how this impact is, is really holding up. So if you continue to say, yep, I'm on it. I can go ahead and do that. Sure. No worries. Please feel free to give me more. And then the manager's like, okay, well, they're listening to what you're saying. So they continue to give you more work. And then on the other side, you have like this one face where you're like, I can do everything. And then unfortunately, that kind of weighs a little bit too much on you. Then you're like, oh, gosh, I have to stay late at work because I need to do this project. Or I need to work over the weekend because there's these different things. Or I have to take this on for myself because the, the boss asked me to do it. These are all different 
assumptions. We're placing value on what they are saying based upon our understanding of what they're looking for. But having a full partnership and a dialogue with your supervisor or with other people uh, on your team can allow you to understand really what they're looking for and how best you can help them. So in a way, it's kind of like Jerry Maguire. You're asking them to help you help them <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, yeah. And again, they're not mind readers, so they can have a good understanding that perhaps you might be free or that you have such a great work ethic that you might be able to do the work. But allow yourself to have the moment where you can have an open dialogue with them to negotiate time, deliverables, all of that sort of stuff. When you get comfortable saying no, using that type of a strategy, you allow yourself to have balance in your work comfort and how you're going about managing the stressors that are going on at work and also allow the people that you're working with the opportunity to really connect with you in a way that they know your needs and you know their needs. So you're deepening the partnership and the relationship that's there. You're being genuine, you're being honest. And at the end of the day, you're still getting the work done. So it's, it's all about this partnership. So be comfortable with learning how to say no. <laughs> The second strategy is the facial feedback loop. Okay, so this is something that I learned not too long ago, but my gosh, it totally makes sense. Okay, so there is this big idea that you are connected with your mind. Your body and mind are totally connected together. So depending on the mood or the environment, that impacts your mental well-being and also your physical well-being. I know you've probably heard from doctors and others talk about issues where like if there's a lot of work stresses or family stresses, that causes a health impact on your body. So you're experiencing stress that gives you a headache. A lot of headaches lead to a lot of fatigue and tiredness. You may feel a lot of muscle strain. Your blood vessels and everything are really constricting. And that is just the impact. So that is the environment having an impact on your body. So what if your body can have an impact on your environment? This is totally true too. Okay, so some of the things to do include having a smile. Now, I'm not saying to just like whatever the bad situation is, just like, you know, sit there and get this really creepy smile <laughs> and then everything is going to be better. No, but rather it's all about how you choose to express your feelings and your emotions in that time. So if you're smiling, if you're allowing yourself to feel good, the facial feedback loop will give information to your body about how you are feeling at that time. It's kind of like also if um, you're feeling, you know, you're a little tired, you don't want to go out, but your best friends are like, you know, let's go watch a movie, let's do something, let's order something, uh, let's play a game, something like that. And then once you're involved in that experience, then you start to feel better. Similarly, when you're like, I'm not hungry. And then all of a sudden you smell food and you're like, oh my gosh, I am so starving right now. <laughs> How did I get so hungry? I thought that I wasn't hungry. This is kind of this loop that I'm talking about. So the facial feedback loop is just taking the moment to actually allow yourself to smile. Uh, and when you smile, that makes connections with your body that allows you to feel a degree of happiness in that moment. So choose to smile. Be conscious of your smile and what you're doing. Um, I know sometimes you may like think or you're concentrating and you have kind of a bit of a, a grimace, like, mm, you know, as you're, as you're thinking of things. So that process similarly works with how your body is interpreting the information and the experiences that you're going through. 
why can't you use the opportunity to smile and feel good about that moment or that issue? The other thing you can do with the facial feedback loop is allow yourself the moment as you're smiling to ask yourself a bigger question. Take a step back and you can ask, what does this mean for me? Why am I feeling this way about whatever this situation is? I notice that I'm feeling frustrated uh, or burdened or upset. What about the situation is making me feel this way? And then as you think about that, think about the root cause of why that is impacting you and know that you have the capabilities as a wonderful human being to respond in a way that you choose. So if you choose to smile through it, you can think, okay, I know that I'm experiencing this feeling right now, but what is another way that I could look at this? How can I choose to react? Where is the opportunity for me in this situation or in this moment? How can I really bring about some good value for myself and for others in this opportunity in this moment? So yes, there's times where we can get hijacked, you know, like, like our mind just has, has like a, a spike where we, bam, we react to something. But then later on, after the blood pressure has come down a little bit, allow yourself to think through, okay, why did I react that way? What am I feeling about this? How do I choose to move forward? The facial feedback loop can help you really make that change. So the more you kind of relax, allow yourself to smile, appreciate the moment, the more you can decide how you want to use your energy in order to respond to that situation. You don't have to accept that it is a terrible workplace and all these people are mean. It might be something there that you could learn from and give you something to grow on. So give yourself that opportunity. I mean, you deserve it, right? Might as well take advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the third strategy for us to think about is the paradox of choice. And that sounds like something from like Dr. Strange or something, you know, it's Dr. Strange is sitting right there and he's waving his hands and he's talking about the paradox of choice, <laughs> like the eye of Agamotto. Well, the paradox of choice is when we realize that we have a lot of different options to consider. And that might feel a little bit overwhelming. We may also feel uh, a bit of concern when we're thinking about how many different choices we have available to us. Like, what are the things that we need to consider? Well, you know, I could do this, or I could do that, or I could do this, or I could do that. And then that kind of leads to a degree of analysis paralysis. We may think that there's a lot of great things that we can do, and we're absolutely right. But that doesn't mean that we have to really evaluate all of them at an equal weight and an equal amount of time in that one moment, <laughs> that's obviously asking a, a lot for us. So to avoid the paradox of choice, one of the best things that we can do is to structure and consider how we are going about evaluating the options that we have available for us. Okay, so for instance, uh, let's use a very general example. If we're talking about the paradox of choice about what to have for dinner. <laughs> so you're there and you're considering, okay, uh, it's been a long week. Let's just order something for takeout. It's gonna come home. We don't have to worry about all of the stresses of going out and everything. Let's just have something delivered here. So what can you have delivered? All right, then you create the list of choices or the options. We can have burgers, we can have pizza, we can have something that's delicious and vegetarian, uh, all of these different structures. Okay, then from there, what you can do is pair them up into two separate ones. So if you have a list of six, Maybe you can start it off by saying, okay, 
pairs and pairs and pairs. So in this case, we have three pairs. Which one is better in the moment? Do I feel like more hamburgers or do I feel like more pizza? Well, I think pizza is a good option right now because, well, you know, pizza is something that everyone can share. And I really like that pizza joint down the street. Okay, so you leave that one there. Then you consider the next two options. Do I want to have hot dogs or do I want to have Szechuan? Okay, so you're thinking, you're like, well, you know, hot dogs might be a pretty good thing for me to consider. Um, because, you know, last time we tried this restaurant, you know, we really liked it or enjoyed it. And, you know, plus they have cool, funny hats that they are able to deliver to us as well. You know, whatever this stuff comes with. What you're doing is making a decision based upon two things rather than based upon six things. So it, it's kind of like a, a way to allow yourself to really think through what the options are available to you without being overwhelmed or burdened by all the different options. Um, you can allow yourself to really recognize what is good about each one, what you feel really good about and why, and then compare that with the others. Now, doing this in the workplace can allow you also to feel a little bit better about what options are available to you. So you might feel, oh my gosh, there is no great option for me. None of this is gonna look good. But if you take the time to recognize in this way, breaking them up in pairs, some of the values and benefits that you might receive from each one, you might then be able to take a step back and go, you know, I thought this was going to be all bad, all of these bad options. But now that I think about it, there is a lot more opportunities here for me. And as a result, you might also recognize if there's a lot of opportunities, there's also a lot of things to be happy about some things to be more positive about. So you're taking a negative situation in the workplace and you're identifying all of the positive things that come from it. Plus, by breaking things into pairs, you're not allowing all of the information and the options to overwhelm you. You're breaking them up into smaller bite-sized chunks so you can manage everything. It's easier to kind of take a step at a time rather than thinking, oh my gosh, I have to walk 100 miles. You just have to know that you're able to walk that first step and then that second step, allowing yourself to experience what you're going through and, and really give voice to the positive things that are there. More often than not, uh, there's a lot to be recognized for happiness in that moment because you're able to see some good things along the way rather than just, oh, everything is doom and gloom. There's terrible things all around us, no matter what. Well, what we see often depends on what we look for. A positive person can find opportunities and happiness in any negative situation. And a grumpier person can find doom and gloom in every opportunity that's presented as well. The more you're able to make the conscious choice to understand how you would like to move forward, the easier it feels. It's easier to breathe. It's easier to understand really what's there. All of these great things. Okay, so hopefully these three strategies have been helpful for you to have a degree of happiness in the workplace, to feel a sense of fulfillment and joy in what is presented for you. Because really, if we are responsible for ourselves and we decide that this is a situation that you're in and that you have a degree of autonomy in what you want to choose to allow yourself to move forward, you are then in control of the situation rather than feeling like the situation is controlling you. Uh, a, a work manager asking you to do more stuff and having more negative vibes sent your way. Someone on your team that is being disgruntled or unhappy or unpleasant. That is what they are choosing to do, but
but that doesn't mean that that is how you can choose to work with them as well. You know, I'm reminded of this wonderful thing that I learned not too long ago. It's this beautiful concept about eagles. You may have heard this. So an eagle has this great ability to sense the winds of change when a storm is coming. Uh, kind of like that idea when you're outside and it just finished raining and it smells so wonderful because you smell all the moisture in the air and everything from the ground that is kind of like rising up. It smells wonderful. So an eagle is able to kind of sense the winds of a storm coming in. And what the eagle decides to do is to take that opportunity to use the winds to rise above the oncoming storm. So an eagle spreads their wings, goes into the wind, and allows the conflict and the issues of the brewing storm to allow it to sail even higher. So when there's a huge thunderstorm, at that point, the eagle is already above the storms. And there are other birds and creatures that are really, you know, cowering underneath a tree or trying to find a place for shelter and everything. But at that point, the eagle has already risen above all of that because they allow themselves the opportunity to use the difficult situation around them to rise above it all. So think to yourself, how much of an eagle do you want to be? Which is kind of why we have eagles <laughs> all over here in the GovGeek studio. Uh, not to mention also, uh, you know, our, our great logo that we have, which is a fantastic eagle as well. It's who we choose to be in the moment that we are in, who we choose to allow ourselves to accept the opportunities that they are presented to us, even though others may see them as a difficult challenge, issue, or concern. And of course, on top of all of that, the bald eagle, of course, is the symbol for our government and for what we have in the federal government on a majority of our uh, logos and seals that we have for our agencies. So there's a huge connection with that. As a public servant, you are an eagle. So allow yourself to rise above and to really choose how you react to everything. So today we talked about three strategies to deal with that. The first thing is to really get comfortable with saying no. Allow yourself the opportunity to connect with others and partner with them in a good solution. Saying no, as opposed to saying, yes, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. Get me everything. Yes, <laughs> I'll handle it all. I can handle the work of an entire division just by myself. <laughs> we don't. We definitely don't need that. The second strategy was to use the facial feedback loop. Give yourself the opportunity to pause, recognize what's going on, Acknowledge it with a smile and allow the reactions in your body to really come about. Use the smile. Use your opportunity to connect well with others. Find the benefits and the challenges and the issues. And the last area really is to avoid the paradox of choice. Break up all of the options into smaller buckets. So instead of evaluating something like one out of 16 different things, you can break it up into smaller groups. And along the way, identify where the opportunities are. You may realize that instead of having a whole bunch of issues in front of you, you actually have a lot of opportunities. Those are some of the best ways to feel really good about the situation that you're in. Okay, so before we get to questions from the GovGeekdom, uh, please feel free to join us. Come on out to thegovgeeks.com. Uh, you can sign up for a great program that we have by joining our GovGeekdom or our newsletter uh, that we send out once a week. You get access to a great course that is totally free. It has templates for resume writing, 
links for how to find more information to use in your resume, a great video that explains the step-by-step process, as well as more information on how to really connect with people and really write a fantastic resume. So come on out to thegovgeeks.com for that. Okay, now it's time for our questions and answers, our questions from the GovGeekdom. Okay, so the first question for us is, how do I make my resume stand out? This was a wonderful question that we got in a presentation that we did not too long ago. Uh, And it makes sense because when you're uh, working with hiring managers and they're going through tons and tons of different resumes and options to consider, how do you make sure that your resume really stands out? Uh, Now, some of the tips that you may have gotten in the past are, you know, make your resume look flashy and attentive. Put your picture on there. Add a lot of different colors. Use different tables and fonts and all that stuff. So it's it's visually appealing. Please don't do that. (laughs) Definitely don't do that. Uh, I understand the logic behind why you'd want to do that. But the challenge is uh, that the systems more often than not won't be able to recognize that. Uh, A lot of agencies are now starting to use what are called applicant tracking systems or ATS, uh, even though there's an actual human being that has to review all the materials and designate a person that is qualified for a certification list to be then sent to the hiring manager. Um, Don't uh, put yourself at a disadvantage. Instead, stand out in ways that are really going to work for others. You can use simple things like how you structure your resume, how you use bold lettering and designs to really kind of section off your areas of development and your expertise. And also, most importantly, really show impact. Uh, When a person is looking at the resume, they should have a good sense that you have the qualifications necessary for the job because you're demonstrating the qualifications in your resume. For more tips on this, please come out to thegovgeeks.com or also look at uh, our LinkedIn nine-part series on resume writing. We also have a fantastic uh, program that we have that allows an individual to really write a great resume. This is our GovGeek challenge that we offer every other month or so uh, that's really convenient, really cost-effective to allow people to really get some good content on resume writing. So yes, the GovGeek challenge. Uh, Please be on the lookout for that. Okay, so the second question that we have um, is, doesn't it take a long time for me to tailor my resume for every single federal government job that I'm applying for? And yeah, it could take a long time if that is the way that you've designed the approach. One of the best things to do is to target a job series. So say, for instance, you're applying for a program manager job and you know all of the duties and requirements as you're doing your research on USA Jobs. Well, build a resume around those types of requirements. Then from there, as you're continuing to update your resume, all you have to do is do some minor tweaks and updates, but because you're applying for other program manager jobs, all of the information that you have in there is applicable for that job that you're applying for. Because they're, again, they're all program management jobs. Uh, the challenge I think is when you're like, okay, I'm gonna write one resume for communications and I'm gonna write another resume for program management. Ooh, and I need this other one for uh, acquisitions or this other one for finance. And you have all of these different pieces in a stew that really don't go too well together. <laughs> then you feel like you have to continue to tailor it. Um, so really ask yourself and, and focus in on 
what type of job you really want. What is it that you want to have the opportunity to excel in? What can you find a lot of excitement to do every Monday morning when you have to approach uh, your work opportunities? And also look at jobs in areas that have a lot of open positions. So this way, you know that you can have options both for the current job that you're in, uh, as well as moving up to the next job as you're continuing to grow in your career. The more options you have, the better off you're going to be. So uh, long story short, tailor your resume for the job series, not just for that individual job that you're applying for, and that'll allow you tons more options when you're applying. Okay, well, thank you so much for spending another half hour with me. I really appreciate it. For my colleague, Karen, who unfortunately is not here, my better half, the uh, better half of the Gov Geeks. I'm Javier Lopez. Thank you so much for spending some time here. And I look forward to seeing you next week when Karen can join us here again. Thank you so much for your service, and we'll see you soon.